Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we as stones. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the Welsh bass band. It is Melis, who I spoke to quite recently to find out more about life, love, poetry and all that other groovy stuff. And I spoke to two of the members, Andrea Parker and Paul Adams. And this, as you can gather, is going to be a three-way conversation. Thankfully, they're both in the same house, so we only had to use two different computers, which makes conversations much more interesting or much more smoother, anyway. So look, they did 11 John Peel sessions and uh, also came first in his best 50 in 2001. So there you go. So um, with that excitement and after several minutes, a casual chat, we got down to that exciting subject. That was the early formative years and um, you'll gather, or guess anyway, that uh, Paul is the one who speaks first. Anyway, Paul, Andrea, it's over to you. Wow. Well, I'm a lot older than Andrea, so we we, we, we have different, completely different formative yeah. years. I mean, I was born in 67 and I... I, I so you know, I suppose I caught the latter end of the glam beard as a as a young child, and then but I was really into. I mean, in my teenage years, I was really into indie. Um, so I, I was into like a primal scream kind of stuff. A lot, like say, a lot of C eighty six bands, Emily and all that. That 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 really was what I followed. I went to gigs all around the country, early Mary Chain stuff like that as well. You know. Um, but what really captivated me was a lot of the when it the, a lot of the synth-based stuff was what we used. Um, maybe like Young Marble Giants, we've had parallels of those before. So a lot of bands like that with a bit more seminal, a bit more space in their music. That's what started us off. Yes. Andrea, completely different. I yeah. am definitely 1980s Madonna, <laughs> um, Prince. It was that they were the the big chart dominance when I was it was mid eighties. Yes. But um, but I suppose after that, you know, it was that that Manchester scene and and teenage fan club and you know as you get older. So yes. yeah, but it was. Were you were you at all influenced or, or did they come on your radar? People like the Primitives or um, the Darling yeah. Buds. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because you know they would be on Top of the Pops occasionally. They were. And I, I, I love guys, love gold bands, you know. Primitive, was, sick yeah, of it. I just brilliant. played to death, you know. It was just, it was always in the car, just on cassette, you know, yeah. and it's just, oh, played it to death. No, yes, because uh, obviously the Darling Buds, especially, because they were from Newport, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, uh, I, think, I think I was more into like shop assistants, which was still very much that kind of uh, guitar driven pop wasn't it really yes so when did you start to find your voice say you know when did you start sort of singing this is you know when you think because it's quite a brave thing to do isn't it singing especially you know behind a mic well being the good welsh girl that i am <laughs> i used to sing in a sunday school choir that's how i started going to capel um or chapel and he sang when i was a child a lot and we used to compete in a stethvods I, all the way through my school years, had to stand on stages and compete. But I think, you know, once I finished with school, it was well, actually by the time I got my teenage years, actually, that's when that stopped. Um, it wasn't until I met Paul, really, that I actually sang. I right. kind of stopped totally singing. Well, and then, um, yeah, that was, when we met, I mean, I was in a, a 
a boy guitar indie band, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. We, we'd had some, you know, minor successes and that when we were playing. And, and, that, and when I met Andrea, we started, really did start as a bet, really. Um, Andrea was into electronic music at the time and Prodigy and all that kind of stuff. And I just said about, what the hell? I think I was listening to well, well, wherever it was. It was probably Mary Chain or maybe Swain or something. I don't know. And then um, she said, we, we, we got into an argument about how easy it would be to write electronic music. And she bet me. And I said, I'll write the song, you sing it. Right. That was that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. there were a lot of the indie bands in the 80s that I've interviewed. I mean, there's, there's a kind of a quite an kind of a narrative I mean it's slightly simplified but bands who got together in the early 80s there was a lot of unemployment at, at that time because Thatcher had got into power in 79 and then there was like you know there had been the Falkland War then there was like the miners strike you know lots of people were just signing on and they were jo doing job seekers lands and enterprise lands so there was a lot of people went oh actually oh we can do the enterprise lands and we can be a year on unemployed without you know having to do any kind of um, looking for a job but we'll be in a band so a lot of people did that and then they formed a band and then then you know like they get the single John Peel would play it it was like wow John Peel's played it that's all we want but then they get a John Peel session and then it's like oh we'll get the the first album and within that you know the one thing that I've noticed that there were like the gatekeepers and John Peel was quite a big one and then there was the music papers and then every yeah. town would have a kind of an alternative indie night probably on a Monday Tuesday Wednesday yeah. when yeah, yeah. Um, and so people you know like could play outside their normal environment and, and, you know, in front of people who didn't know them, which was quite exciting. So, so you're slightly from a different, you know, you know, a in a way. Yeah. So how does it, how did it work with you guys? Uh, really? We, we, like I said, we, I'd been doing that kind of thing and I was into that kind of music, the guitar led stuff, but it we, was exciting times. It was, it was Cool Cymru at the time. Well, it became when, cool Yeah, Cymru. it was all around that era that we formed, unknowingly. Yeah. Um, Super Furries were busy recording their early stuff, Catatonia. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we recorded our first demo in a, in a squat at a mate's. Uh, and, um, and, I, and the band I was in at the time was in a studio, and I took it to the studio and played to the engineer. He loved it, gave us free time. Then we got a session, uh, and then it angst management angst records who did the super furries and gorky stuff signed us up on it and then peel played us and I, I always remember my ambition was to have a peel peel session or, or get because <laughs> i used to listen to like i, I laugh with um david gedge now because i keep showing him these cassettes that i taped off the radio of wedding present um, sessions and wolf wolf hounds and stuff like that and uh, he's like, just go, go away. You know, he didn't want to know. <laughs> I said, I used to record these when I was 16, you know. And yes. um, the, the, I always wanted that, to, to have that John Peel. That was my one aim when in a band, have, because a fr friend of my mother's son was in the House Martins and they got to number four or something, something like that with Flag Day. Yes. And I always wanted to be, I really always wanted to, better that you know yes well so, i think the house martins went on to quite a big success didn't uh, they so during yeah. that period because because in you know just going slightly back i mean the indie pop world of the 80s it was kind of very much 83 to 87 that was the years of the smiths this isn't a completely watertight theory but it's quite good 
because um, there were other bands, but you know, there was definitely a period where things changed and then ecstasy appeared and then you had that dance stuff with, yeah, you know, yeah. everyone wanted the Happy Mondays and Soup Dragons, Primal Scream yeah. and the Happy Mondays. And, um, and then you had grunge and then after that, you know, the, Brit, the early Britpop years. So were you kind yeah. of aware of those kind of that change where you suddenly were watching yeah. Top of the Pops thinking, my God, Big actually, that's, that could be us. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether I liked it as much. I, I I do like my I, I like I was a real indicator and I, I wasn't sure about the the transition into um, into the mainstream because I felt that if the if indie was becoming mainstream then everything that I really liked about it the underground feeling of it would go yes uh, and then Oasis came and ruined destroyed everything, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a weird one, isn't it, really? I never really got Oasis, I have to say. The thing with Nirvana as well, you know, yeah. that, 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 yeah. that, that was a massive catalyst for them as well. They, what, what they, with the difference between Bleach and Nevermind is just, Phenomenal. you know, and that, I don't think they were ready for that success either. No, and at the time, I think uh, Cobain wasn't very pleased with the kind of, the production on it or the producer yeah. and the sound that they got for ne never mind so i suppose it was like on one occasion i suppose i don't know who was right the artist or yeah. the um the record company yeah. though the record company was obviously pleased with the results so um yeah. so then so after you got your you know the single on on, on john peel then what happens hmm. next with the band um well we signed yeah, a, a five album deal with Pinnacle, who have been funded big style by Jive in America and all that, and well, I think the Jive took them over yeah. in, the, in the end. But yeah. um, it was a bit weird, but we had a good time with that because, I mean, we we were with Angst, so we were with good people, and they became our management mm -hmm. from our small indie label to a management, because we always wanted to keep that core of people that we fell into the music with, yeah. became good friends, you know. And then when we signed, it was just, we, we just spent a, a horrendous amount of labels money doing stuff that we could. We got well, the London Welsh Male Voice Choir in to do sessions. We, we got, we, our album cost a bloody fortune. We sold more of our unfunded second album, but you know, we had a good laugh and good yeah, fun doing we it, did. didn't we? And, yeah. Because we live in North Wales and, and there's no studios or no uh, facilities to rehearse, we asked the record label to build us a rehearsal studio in some old garages at the back of our house. We did a business plan and they, they agreed. And then so what we did, we just built a studio. And then when Jai took over Pinnacle, they shut Pinnacle down. We'd already had our second album agreed by Pinnacle and they left us with his money and we just recorded the album ourselves in the studio that they built for us. And um, then we just rented it out to other bands and that funded us for years. Wow, that's an amazing story, isn't it? That is, yeah. no one yeah. would believe that now, would they really? No, no. no. It wouldn't happen now, I don't think. I mean, <laughs> no. No, but it was good. It was great because you know we we had all these bands and we got in touch with like Welsh Radio and Welsh TV. Was sending their bands to do sessions for us. Our live sound engineer became a studio engineer. We were all working at it, but it, yeah. it, it enabled us to record albums and go on tour. and And then Peel became more and more prevalent. 
prevalent for us mm. and he supported us more and more became really friendly with him uh, yeah. and, and yes yeah, that's amazing yeah. and did you do much touring at that time you know in those early years we yeah well you know the, the, the shocking thing is when we actually got signed we didn't actually have an album's worth of songs <laughs> we didn't we had six we had songs when we got signed that we was kept, it. We, they kept saying uh, you, you played a short set tonight are you going to play any no it's just a short set tonight we just had to... <laughs> so we wrote half of them in the studio yeah. Yeah. right god that was quite yeah. amazing so they <laughs> obviously were really taken with what they heard yeah, yeah. Yeah, they like the they like the demos as as well that mm-hmm. that we brought out after that, and I think that helped you know yeah. pacify the A and R man a bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because there's quite some amazing stories. I suppose you might have seen it that documentary on the record uh, studio Rockwell, where they oh, um, yeah. the famous yeah. place where you know Americans would come out to sort of you know fly all the way from LA to see this farm yeah. to see. And no one would be there and they'd be going, crikey. But you thought that must have cost so much money for them to have just done that, to, to say, yeah. could, you, could, could we listen to what you've got so far? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. And how were you developing as, you know, like musicians and artists? Because when anybody starts in a band, they don't really think, oh, this is going to happen that easily. And when it does, I think everyone's a bit caught out by it and think, oh my God, we're going to have to start changing gear quite quickly here. Uh, Definitely happened. That to definitely us. happened, yeah. Because yeah. we weren't ready for it, nowhere near ready for it. It was just it. the two of us, and then yeah. in the end, we were like, oh, hold on, then we better get a, you want to send us on tour, then we better get a band together. So we got my brother Gary learnt to play the drums <laughs> to be in the band. <laughs> um, um, and a friend and of ours, Carrie, yeah. could play keyboard, so yeah. we, we drafted her in, and, and that's how we started. Yes. Uh, we held it together and seemed mm. to do okay, uh, I think. But um, yeah, as we've, as we've gone on, we've developed, and and yeah, and, and Gary. You, yeah, I was going to say, how did your guitar playing, you know, progress, you know, from the early years? Um, from well, it, it's changed as we've become more of a band, and I think it's become more indie poppy as a, as opposed to in the early ta- early releases. There was there were a bit more lonely lines rather than a lot of power chords and power pop. It was a bit more um yeah, behind the Yeah, because it was synth it was more yeah. synth driven in the early days, I think. And as we've progressed we have become yeah. more of a yeah. there's more guitars. However we've got we, a second guitarist now. However so. we are doing more synth stuff on the new album. So mm. yeah. That, yes. Because it's always yeah. quite quite interesting in the sense that the first album is the honeymoon period, and then with yeah. all the touring that goes on and the and the dynamics, the second album can be a bit problematic. But obviously, with your narrative, it's quite different, isn't it? Because you were sort of yeah. obviously catching up, playing catch up, rather than going, "Oh God, we've been together for too long, and we're already getting a bit yeah. sick of each other." And plus, I think because our first album was under a major label, when we released the second one, we felt that we were, it was more. <laughs> Not happy with it. More ownership of yeah, it. Yeah, but really. we owned it. We decided exactly which tracks were going to go on the, the album, whereas there was a debate with the record company. There was, weeks about yeah, the, about the running orders. And, you know, because we had that lack of control over it, the second album, because we had more control, it, it felt more of, it was out more our, yeah. our album, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yes. And it was a bit it was a bit more darker, the second album, because, because of what happened, the label collapse and everything. But, I mean, it was good times for us, but... It, I don't know, it seemed a bit darker at the time, but mm-hmm. I think arguably some of our better songs are on that. Um, yeah. But yeah. yes, very 
they 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 mean different things. But, yeah, yeah. So when you were going into recording your third album, this is like turn of the decade. How were you coping with the the general pressure and the sort of keeping the stamina and enthusiasm going? Um, that's where it became uh, after that um, when Chinese Whispers came out was probably uh, the I mean the label that we released Chinese Whispers on was in Europe um, was a, a Dutch based label Transform yeah. Dreams and they handled all our European side of stuff so every time we went over to tour in Europe they were the, they, they organized and got in touch mm. with different people to help facilitate that and they were really, they became really good friends we we still friends today and Marcel he's a fantastic guy yeah. um so they were saying oh you've got to repress you know John Pills just made it number yeah. one you've got to repress so we didn't we didn't we said no because at the time it was we had uh Andrew just had, we just had a second daughter and mm. it was a time where it could have exploded could have gone well, everyone was saying it was going to go big, and we didn't want that, so we shied away from it a little bit. Yes, yeah. well, that's fair enough. Yeah. It's funny because, yeah. well, it wasn't funny, but I spoke to the drummer of the Sundays, you know, who had that phenomenal uh, success from the late eighties yeah. into the nineties. That they had a bit of a gap for that third album, but then they yeah. kind of disappeared, you know. And I think part of it was that two, the two main, you know, songwriters, Harriet and Paul. I think it's Paul. Um, yeah, they had children and then they just stepped away from the whole thing because it just yeah. was just too much to uh, to deal yeah. with. Yeah. So did you have that kind of same, quite a same feeling that you just needed Definitely. to focus on home? Yeah. I, I think, just yeah, we weren't ready for being famous and having children and all of that stuff because... We saw, we, we knew, we know carriers and we, we'd yeah. seen what would kind of could happen there. It was... She'd gone through a bad time for, for, for a little while there. Yeah. Great now, but, uh, you know, it, it meant more to us. And we, it was all right when we had Bella, our first daughter, because we could handle that. But then having two became a different ball mm -hmm. game. And then things were really ramping up um, with, with the, the, the Festive 50 thing. And it just got too much. We did went to the States, we did stuff there, but, uh, it, yeah, it could have, it could have gone... Because mm. yeah. <laughs> most people, a lot of people could. Sorry, what did sorry. you want to say? It was just because we you know the demands are touring because of the yeah. success of that's what kind of stopped us a little bit. I think mm. it was being away from home for mm. lengths of time that we just weren't comfortable doing, were we? No. Yeah. So, uh, grab kids around, be babies around with us. Obviously, we'd have to leave them at home with grandparents. So, and that's what kind of stopped us a little bit to consider what we actually wanted. Yeah. And the well, I'm not surprised. It's it's quite some emotional. I mean, you know, the sort yeah. of the, the guilt yeah. of it all would be too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But um, yes, because the one thing that often finishes bands, and there's several, but one of the things that often people say is that they say the famous words, "We went to America and toured and came back and split up." So how how did you find sort <laughs> of just touring and things like America? <laughs> um, to be honest, it we did stop for a while, but. We never split. We just no. said things got changed, and we 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 went about our daily life. And and before we know it, ten years ago, kind of thing, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's been a long time between a couple of members. We haven't uh, not are not in the present lineup, but our original drummer is, and we're really chuffed about that yeah. because you know it, it's our brother, and it's it's great to have that nucleus of the band back again. Mm. But. Dorian, I think I think probably our worst one was 
we were away for quite a while in Europe mm. and that that was that was hard to come yeah. back to them after so long away yeah, mm. yeah. Was quite yeah. we did that we did like a summer of festivals and, yeah. and gigs and it was just that was crazy, was crazy time, yeah. you know? it really was and can you and could you at that stage did you feel I mean obviously you must have felt complete ownership of the band but did you sort of feel like you had any control of what was happening because a lot of people say god all we needed to do was take a bit of a break but we didn't and then it just got too much and we split up but did you have that sort of awareness and maturity to sort of make those decisions and feel okay with it yeah we did I think having children kind of makes you question everything that you do does that make sense yeah yeah I think choose the really important things yeah. and you can kind of distinguish between the things that you really ought to do as a band and the bits that aren't really that necessary yeah so yeah, we, we, we were probably the ones that said no a little yeah. more we probably peed off the, the rest of the band a yeah. few times because you know we said well actually you know we're not going to do that yeah. you know and that probably yeah. did piss them off a bit but you know that, that was just because yeah. we couldn't really yeah. they, they were single guys and we we weren't and because we had the same crew everywhere we went with the same guitar tech, the same mm. um, uh, sound engineers and roadies and stuff. Yeah. So we were we were quite a tight unit, you know. We they're friends from school for God's sake. So yeah. it, 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 we've always always had that, but yeah. I think it got more and more difficult, and that that split of of maybe um, thinking came apparent as couple of times yeah. yeah well it's interesting because um just two points there there was um because i know madness made that mistake of re- um employing all their friends and who yeah. were a bit who were a bit hit and miss sometimes a bit useless really and uh, <laughs> yeah. then they sort of realized i had this huge wage bill and i think the farm from liverpool i think they were told uh, whatever you do don't employ all your friends and that's what they did and then just <laughs> you know the songwriter was like Where's everyone else? They just go and partying, and we. I'm just here trying to get the next album together, and then yeah. eventually you just go. I can't do this. I've got all this pressure, and I don't care. That's their problem, you know. I've, mm. I'm just going to walk away. So, did you did you ever have that feeling that the whole thing had become too much? Because I noticed. Because my favourite person, thankfully, my first single was David Bowie and Space Oddity. So, but rather than Gary Glitter, which would have been horrendous, <laughs> but um, but he was. I was. I realised that he always managed to sort of just say, right, I'm doing this project, and then I'm going to do this project. Obviously, he had a bit of a different thing with the Spiders from Mars because it probably felt yeah. a bit more like a band. But after that, he was always working with different people. So I don't think anyone could feel like, oh yes, I'm, I'm now on David Bowie's payroll. That's it. Yeah. So did you sometimes feel, God, I wish I could feel a little bit freer from being the, this person in the band and this extra family around me? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think that being the only woman around many men, that was always difficult sometimes because yeah. I felt like I was turning into their mother at times. Because <laughs> I always, always all the finances on the tours, so I'd be the one giving out, you know, the PDs, the PDs every yeah. day, and you know, making a note on all the finances and all the rest of it. And it was a little bit of that kind of relationship where I'm like, do I have to do this again or again? <laughs> but <laughs> the roles that we all assumed, however because they were such good friends. They kind of knew if we weren't kind of into something, if that makes sense, didn't they? Yeah. Really cool. So I think, you know, it was, we always had that relationship with them. We still do to, to, today, to be honest. They, they understand us yeah. and the way we work as a couple and knew that there was times when we wanted to go off and go off and wander off when we're on tour as a couple. And they yeah. were really accommodating. 
they? Yeah, I think, yeah. It must be difficult for them as well, yeah. you know, because, you know, we're a couple and we're tight and our ideas are tight and yeah. always have been, but sometimes they, they must find it hard to break into that, I guess. As yeah. Well, you know. yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, so I suppose when you look at the Copto Twins and Galaxy 500, it's slightly yeah. different, but... <clears throat> Slightly similar as well. So, look, the one thing that no one has ever done a documentary about, which is quite interesting, I said, yeah, it is interesting, because you, you know, obviously being a woman in the band, fair enough, that's been, been done, but having a baby and then dealing with all that that goes with it has, has never really been talked about. I know we had Nana Cherry on top of the pops being very pregnant, but we didn't really hear what happens next and how that, you know, how do you, as an artist and a singer, being in a band, deal with that? Because for a man, it is quite different isn't it for a woman there's a huge physical thing that goes on so I mean that must that must feel quite hard at times because obviously everyone who has babies you know including their father as well but you know the tiredness exhaustion you know etc so yeah. yeah so what was it kind of like for you sometimes thinking I don't really care about the next album I've just got a baby well I suppose it was just different hats on all the time mm. so everything we did we had to consider the family once we had a family, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so we couldn't agree tours and stuff without no. making sure, actually, is, we is your mum or my mum able to yeah. sort this out? So we had to work that out before we even before thought we about yes. things yes. like that. I think it was that. There was never a separation between being a mum and being a singer in a band. It kind of became one, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of Welsh telly and Welsh... Yeah. I mean, and more often than not, our first... Bella, she'd, she'd be she running around with, with yeah. the crew and part of it. And that's, that's her upbringing. She remembers a lot about that time and all of it fondly, luckily, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, she, she was quite happy to come around and mix behind cameras and stuff. And yes. that's just, yeah, that's they, they, They've all used to it. I mean, we've been doing stuff for this Challenge 81 thing and the John Peel and videos and. The last few weeks, yeah. and they, they're all they're just, yeah, they're just in another video. Yeah, they're, yeah. All, they're so blase. They're all, they're all very, honestly, yeah, really blase. Like, yeah, it's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> My parents, they're just, yeah. So, how have you, how have you experienced, I mean, this kind of period of lockdown and sort of both being creative as well as, you know, being in the band as well as surviving this kind of time in our lives? Well, <clears throat> I found it yeah. struggle to motivate creatively because we we, we yeah. were like going great guns and halfway through an album at the time when when it got locked down, and mm. um, I found it a bit more. It stilted us a little bit. Um, I don't know why. I started writing good and then it just faded away. I think. I too think that's time. I think yeah. it's just too much time. Not bouncing off people in a, yeah. other people in the band, and you know that, that in close quarters and maybe jamming. I don't know. It just mm. didn't really kind of work. So we, it's been a lot slower. But we've been doing. We've been trying. What we have got, we've been trying to use and, and to try and kind of do more things online, which has been nice to do. Yeah. But yes. Creative. Been a bit, bit of a slog, hasn't it? Yeah, really? it really has. I know. Well, it's been quite interesting talking to a few people about it. I mean, some people have been, they planned to have yeah. a year off and it was like, oh, great, I've just done my tour and I've done that album. I was going to just sit here and 
recover a bit and then do the next because with age you, you need longer to recover and other people yeah. would like actually you know like you said it's like oh my god i've been th- asking for more time to have you know to do things now i've been given it it's kind of like yeah. it's too much it's too aimless yeah 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 yeah, yeah it is yeah. it seems aimless yeah yeah I, th- I don't think it's i think it's that's probably what it yeah. is is the fact that I can't, I, I don't, don't, I'm going to record this album, it's going to get released and then we're going to go on tour yeah. in yeah. January because we don't know. And, and the, I think that's what the problem is maybe, mm. there's no end end date. We need a deadline. Yeah, I work to deadlines. Yeah. So yes, I, I know, I mean, I mean slightly, I hate, I hate to admit it, but that, that really helps, doesn't it? It does, yeah. it just kind of guides you and, and I think a little bit of pressure is really good for you to kind of, it really motivates you to get yeah. a job done. Yeah. And I think that pressure was kind of removed because, you know, the fact that we can't gig properly for until whenever. We don't really know when we'll be able to gig properly again and, you know, being able to do physical releases and all the rest of it. It's it's, mm. it's a difficult thing at the moment. It's kind of slowed us down, isn't it, for yeah. such a long time. Yeah. Absolutely. And do you still have your recording studio? Um, yeah, we stripped it down and we, we, yeah. it's more of a room in the house now as opposed yeah. to what it was before because we've, we've moved since then. But... Um, yeah, we still got a lot of gear. We do our own recording, um, majority of the work here, and then we go to the guy we've used since the very beginning, Gorel Owen. He, he did production on our yeah. first album and, and also on Super Fury albums and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's a genius. Yes, and do you, and um, I mean, over the years, I've, I've sort of been in the band and and sort of going through different changes. How do you sort of feel? Or I mean, it's really difficult because of what's happened at the moment. I was just going to say, how does it feel, sort of? in the next phase but you've kind of answered that because you said it's quite tricky just not knowing what's going to happen next yeah yeah i I feel it's it's really good that the online stuff is trickling through now so we've had loads of different opportunities to do different things that we never thought we'd do yeah so you know recording stuff i'm not i'm not the most comfortable person being filmed singing but we're, we're overcoming that. So I'm developing, developing new capabilities that I didn't even know. Yeah, we've done a, a yeah. lockdown session from the house, a gig yeah. from the house for uh, BBC Horizons. Yeah. We did, um, I think we did, we've done some tracks with, with the John Peel yeah. 81 Challenge, Challenge 81 that's going broadcast on Sunday, Sunday on YouTube. Yeah. That's Save Our Venues yeah. run by yes. the... Yeah. yeah we did By the Edge of the Sea by the or By the Edge of the Sofa. Yeah, uh, we've, we've had really good opportunities to do really unusual things. Yeah, because do you, feel, do you feel that when this kind of finishes, or hopefully something happens, and it's like, oh, that was the end of that? Though, God, yeah. being optimistic here, do you feel that yeah. there'll be an absolute wave of people just desperately touring and just wanting to <laughs> yeah. escape? Yeah. I'm releasing. I think and, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, you know, this explosion of people outpouring. on the road, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, great, totally. great for yeah. gig goers, but yeah. you know, but there's events, small venues can last that long. Is, yeah, is, that's the issue, isn't that's it? The, that's the sad It's a real issue. Yeah, well, I know um, things like Glastonbury when they said, God, if that doesn't happen next year, there could be some yeah. serious yeah. financial implications yeah. there. And, how do, and just as a band, because you mentioned, I think you mentioned Prince at the beginning, didn't you? Which, which <laughs> yeah. is, well, it was quite funny because, you know, one of the things we all did in lockdown is go through our memorabilia. And I found I had three Prince tickets from the late 80s and early 90s. Right. I thought, really? God, I really like Prince sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and slightly Madonna, but um, definitely Prince yeah. at the time. And I sort of realised, because I did see quite a few bands who went from like the Norwich Arts Centre, the UBA, and then when they got onto the festival kind of stage, it was like, oh, they didn't have the, you know, it was quite a step, isn't there? You know, you get 200 people, 500, yeah. 1,000, that's not too bad. You know, you can get away with it. And then filling that stage and, and Prince, even though he was five foot one or two, he filled it so yeah. easily, didn't he? How did you sort of find some of that kind of time of going from like playing in venues mm. that you thought, oh my God, we're in the next one up. I better yeah. jump up and down. No, yeah, that's so a bit like that. I think we we just, we we became... I think we, we had bigger audience when we went over to Europe. Yeah. We cut our teeth over there at the festivals. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of big summer festivals. And I think that, that really made us come out of our shell. We were this insular little indie band that, that you know, I think one enemy we called us Wallflowers at once because we were just so scared. I think we played a monarch and we were just so scared of us, like <laughs> third gig or something. Yeah. And, um, and so it really enabled us to relax on stage and I think when yeah. when we just taught ourselves not to care too much that that, yeah. that was a secret just mm -hmm. don't worry about yeah. it just go and do your stuff we were having arguments on stage about where Andrew should come in on songs and yeah. stuff stop the show and yeah and th they loved it you know yeah. loads <laughs> of yeah. festival in the middle of Belgium yeah. thought it was brilliant we were just having a full-on argument <laughs> you come in there not there <laughs> 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 and I think things like that, you just relax yeah. and stay and you just begin. People appreciate that and they can see you relaxed. And I think as well, being within Wales, especially in that early 90s period, there's an awful lot of money in Welsh TV. And I think that we were put on, put in front of cameras and things really early, you know, for those, those shows. Yes. And getting on stage to a thousand people or more was nothing compared to getting filmed in a TV studio. So I think it really helped us, didn't it, to kind of... Oh, come on, we're used to playing... Not be nervous. thousand piss Joskins, you yeah, know, the farmers yeah. all right, right, right. Do you know what? There is no better preparation for a massive gig than to go and play a Welsh Stethod. No. At half one in the morning. Yeah. When no one cares. Yeah. Because they're all drunk so much at that point. <laughs> it's a honestly, it's real. Honestly, that, that is a way to cut your teeth. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Because brilliant. That, that culture that still yeah. exists, it's yeah. fantastic. The yeah. It's brilliant with, with the Welsh music scene. Yeah. Yes. But I realise that people like, you know, it's interesting because Bowie played, you know, did his 60s stuff, which is pretty awful, but he did spend all that time doing it. And the Beatles, yeah. you know, the manager obviously said, you've got potential, but you're not that good, so we'll send you to Hamburg. So kind of, I think yeah. playing live a lot is just really important because if you don't, yeah. Just can't get that state you know, and you know now we overcome that fear yeah and i think now i think it's more important now i, I don't know I, I feel more people go into gigs the, yeah. I, I don't know it seems to me maybe i'm wrong but i don't know what we, we when we did the um wedding present tour no yeah there was more people, was more people that, people that like it. we like it was really it was amazing to see really cool to see our our generation all going out watching gigs yes mm. and Really, quite. Yeah, it's quite it's a shock. It was a real eye opener because I hadn't, hadn't reckoned on that at all. No, no, it's quite. I, I suppose that demographic is kind of suddenly sort of coming out again after years yeah. of yeah. family yeah. and family. Yeah, and then yeah. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, had kids and they don't need babysitters anymore. And all, <laughs> do you know all that stuff that kind of stops you from going to watch bands and 
Being tired, yes. Yeah, yeah. being tired, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we've got that now, and, and we've actually got a bit more freedom. I said, you know what, let's go and watch that band down the pub, and, and off they go, and there's more. Well, there was before all this, obviously. Yeah, well, I, I sort of, from doing these interviews, a lot of those bands, I mean, they do have that, I mean, it is a cliche, that five years split up, go and do something else. And then 20 years later, they've all sort of started <laughs> creeping out of the woodwork going, oh, actually, I might do this again. And I think mainly it's like get a family. Actually, I need to get an income. The music's not going to pay, even though, you know, we did quite well and got on front of the NME. And then it's that kind of, actually, I quite like doing it. But now let's just do it as a nice kind of hobby. I know people like Amelia Fletcher's got a day job, you know, and she's yeah, you know, yeah. very sort of professional. But in the evening, you know, a bit like... Um, that film Flashdance, you know, is, is she's not a welder, but she plays music and she says she takes both things so seriously, you know, but she, yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of very separate, but you know, they're, they're kind of uh, two jobs definitely. basically. Uh, Andrew, uh, I lecture, I'm a lecturer at a college, that's my day job. <laughs> so you so are professional courses, and then it's really bizarre having conversations with my students going. Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> that's a but yeah, it's almost like a different personality. I kind of little boxes. I, th I think we enjoy it more yeah. now because we, cause it, everything we do now is because we want to. And, and it, it seems, I don't know, more relaxed. We're more relaxed with each other, the yeah. music, um, and with the rest of the band. And I think that comes across in this, when we play now, I think. Yeah. Do you feel, because there's one thing that people were talking about with making music as a sort of the important thing is like just once you've got an idea, just do it and then move on rather than over over sort of analyse it. And I was just thinking when you were saying you have a day job as well, whether you just think, look, it really isn't that important because we're not looking to sell, you know, a no. hundred thousand. It. it doesn't matter really. Because, because that is that income does have an impact on your productivity I think sometimes isn't it you know possibly yeah. you know yeah. when you feel like you can it is it's a release from the day job I love doing I love doing gigs now when mm. we can um because it's so different from my, my normal day to day job but but yeah it's it's also that kind of hobby thing for us now isn't it where we don't need to prove anything anymore yes yeah we're happy yeah. with where we are yeah. as a yeah. band yeah yeah and I I always think that you know with bands even though I've never been a musician, so I've got no right to say, but you know, you sometimes, you know, doing the David Bowie low album, which is kind of you, when you realise when he did that, you know, in that period, you think, my God, that must have been such a risk. And how yeah. anyone, you know, like you do this, you know, everything's quite, I mean, quite avant-garde, you know, he did his soul album, he did Diamond Dogs, yeah. you know, the Thin White Duke, and then it's like low. And now, in, <laughs> you know, we all look back and go, yeah, that's such a cool album. At the time, the record company must have gone, yeah, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder, yeah. as artists, whether you sometimes think, look, it doesn't matter, we can do this. You know, it's yeah. not, not going to pay the rent, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, there, there is that thing. There's like, we, 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 I'm doing lots of demos and stuff, you know, was, and then it's like, it doesn't really sound like us, but does that matter? <laughs> so, what what well, I says? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You know. I, think, I think, yeah, people... I like that. I like that uh, ability yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely more freedom now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, just last question then, um, which is I always love asking. I mean, if you could have said something to an eighteen-year-old self starting out, you know, I just wondered what advice you would give. You know, having decades of kind of experience with so many, you know, like 
albums, changes of this and that, and and sort of yeah, what you've been through. Oh, I'd have told myself not to worry so much about it because I think there was always a fear when I was younger, and I think as I've got older and wiser and experienced much more, I've realised there was no need to actually worry so much about the small stuff and just relax more and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good, good point yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, just enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy it, yeah. yeah. Because you, you are, when you are younger, you are that... You want to do it right. You yeah. Want to do this, you want to get a bit precious about things. And, yeah. Yeah. And as, as from our indie background and, and also the, the label, yeah. the, our management label, very protective of us. We said no to lots of stuff early on. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't have said no to everything. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, that was just that's yeah. us at the time. Was, was yeah. we, were, we were scared of everything. So we, we, if we didn't know what it was, we'd say, oh, oh sure. but we'll leave that for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because because I did suddenly remember there was another band, weren't there? Biss, who had a a, a couple yeah, in yeah. the band, and I spoke yeah. to I did an interview with her, and she said the trouble is they just they were just having a breakout through their glory period, so they didn't enjoy one minute of it. They were just having a fight, so it's like yeah. such a shame because it's like God, we should have just enjoyed ourselves, but we didn't. Yeah, yeah. In this tension, and we were just you know having one yeah. argument or another, you know, and it was like. Because I suppose with a lot of bands, and I suppose this is kind of something that must be quite, I don't know if it's tricky, when you realise we've had our moment, but we can still have other moments, but it isn't going to be like that honeymoon period with the record yeah. label and lots of money. So you just have to adjust to that. And I, I mean, when you realise that, do you, did you sort of feel comfortable going, well, we're just going to do it now for the love of it, but we're not going to... Yeah. We didn't want that anyway, to be honest yeah. with you. We kind of fell into that. I mean, when we started, we didn't, we didn't want any of the... Fame fortunes, all the jazz hands that goes with no, all the recording we, contracts. We were always it was never our bag. It was never what we wanted. We just to wanted to be this little indie band that was yeah. just. We wanted to be cool. That's all we wanted yeah. to be. Was cool. Cool, cool okay. indie band. That's all we wanted. That's all we wanted. We had we had the the the, bucket, the, the list was um, the John Peel yeah. um, play, and then, then everything that came after that was just yeah. amazing uh, to to do the, the amount of sessions we did for him. And, mm. I know. So that that. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Made, that made us happy. That was, that was all we ever wanted. Yeah. And I don't know, because I haven't, you know, I should have done my research, but on the session front, because you did 11, didn't you? So, yeah. How, so how does that compare to anybody else? I mean, I know The Fall did probably, you know, 50, but... Yeah, you... Fall, a lot yeah, more than that. Yeah. 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 We've done the most Welsh, yeah. Welsh band sessions. For yeah. yeah, 11 is quite excessive, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we had the privilege of oh. staying at his house... Um, going to his birthday parties, anniversary parties, you know, we... We, we, we just became family we friends. We did, yeah. That, that was just, it was a real privilege was, to actually that meant know the whole awesome. family. It was yeah. amazing. It was yeah, the lovely people really as well. Was. I know. Yeah. And did you um, get to work with the famous Dale Griffith? Yeah. Yes. How yeah, did that did. go? It was, it's all right, actually. Yeah. But, but, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, because most people have a terrible time with Dale, don't they? Apparently, yeah. yeah but we, it was it was all good. Wasn't yeah, it? no, we never had any issues no. really. No, no arguments. I think we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we tried to mind our P's and Q's with yeah. everyone yeah. when we were made available. Yeah. And that. We just yeah. tried to be nice and just 
relaxed and yeah. and and that's that's how people took us we weren't ever icy musicians that insisted on this or insisted on that no. as long as we were happy with the sound and it sounded good and the engineers we just tried to leave them do as much as they could and then come into the mix and say can you just maybe do a bit of that and that's it mm. that was it yeah. dale would yeah. love that wouldn't he who was, yeah. who, was, yeah. who was the um engineer that played it really loud through the monitor all the time that was that first. Mike? yeah mike yes mike yes. robinson yeah. oh my oh. good god Hilarious. Like, ear Hilarious. bleeding. Ear bleeding. Literally ear bleeding monitors yeah. all day and, then, and night. And then we had to run and we get last orders. We had to stop yeah. and run, literally run, to out of the, the studio, down the road to the pub to get last orders yeah. in. Yeah, we ordered a, a whiskey chaser. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> and then we carried on, <laughs> then we went back, back to the studio, studio to finish off. <laughs> Crazy. Man. We yes. didn't know anything. We, we just turned out, we were so green. We yeah. were like, oh, okay, Brilliant. is this what happens? <laughs> Two pints live. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so you probably because the one the other thing, and you're probably a bit younger, but um, but a lot of people have just been bringing films out, haven't they? And David Gedge you know, or the Wedding Present brought George Best yeah. out. Have you been after seeing those and the Go Betweens and the Chills and and all the other ones that I can't remember now, the Slits, um, the Dolly Mixture. Um, have you been tempted to do a, a feel, you know, any kind of, have you managed to archive your life, your, your life in the band? Yeah, I have. I've got this thing where I'm trying to put it all into digital now from VHS, but mm. I've got boxes of stuff. And there. videos of us yeah. being away. And, and behind, <gasps> like we always took a camcorder with us. Yeah backstage so we, we had all we've got all that yeah. and I what I used to do is burn them onto DVDs and give them to the lads and the, and the crew and that but oh yeah we've got loads of stuff like yes that. so have you BBC. sort of thought god because let's face it BBC4 on a Friday night we love those documentaries do you, yeah. do you yeah. think god I could it'd be really nice to make something just as a I like your idea better the, the um the about how many band members with children? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. Well, what you know, there is that subject, isn't it, that never has yeah. been made yet. You know, of like, how does the band deal with that, and how does it affect yeah. everyone? And and also, you know, the other subject, I suppose, that no one ever likes to mention. I don't know why, but the menopause. You know, people are like, oh yes, yeah. how does that affect the the members of a band and and the yeah. actual person as well? Because it's never ever been talked about so it's kind of like oh you get to an age where you suddenly go oh yes that does happen to anybody from the age of sometimes 30 40 onwards yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and it's never really spoken about never discussed yeah. well actually uh, i think when it comes to you know with some music we we still have ways to go when it comes to women in, in music i'll never forget my worst moment was when i think we were reviewed by blur in the melody maker yeah. And one of the quotes within the review was, I'll give it, I think it was three out of five, but four out of five if she's got big tits. And that quote appeared on the front page, on the front page, the Miles Maker. And they were talking about me. Andrew was like 20 at the time. It was just, I remember then feeling, it, you know? my stomach turned because I thought, that's not right. Mm. They shouldn't be. But we have, again, it's that, you know, involvement of women over time, and especially within the music scene, that that conversation is still ongoing. I think. And to be fair, it's only now that you're strong enough to mention that 
to yeah. talk about it yeah. freely, whereas before yeah. she never wanted to talk about it. No. Yeah. I mean, no. she, we actually got a song on the new album about it called Five yeah. Star Breasts. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, yeah. that long for her to be confident enough to say, yeah. do you know what? Yeah, it was actually... That wasn't was just, right no. and that should not happen. That no. shouldn't, and that probably happened to thousands of bands with women yeah. in, in, at that time. Yeah. Judged probably by looks or, you know... Yeah, yeah it's... Some of yeah. The, yeah, shouldn't shouldn't yeah. happen. Shouldn't. Yeah. Well, I was, there was that documentary where I think it was Mickey from Lush said that suddenly she she found you know a member the bass player Blur biting her bum with his teeth and it's like oh that was a bit odd. Oh, mm. that's gross, isn't it? Really? Yeah, really? bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy cheese. <laughs> don't buy. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like the lad culture, yeah. you know, it was because what I suppose lastly, I mean, punk, I always felt was a bit, you know, of a macho thing. And I thought indie pop in the 80s, there was like, oh, actually, it's not, it's about, uh, I don't know, it wasn't so macho. You knew you had Morrissey and his gladioli and it was kind of like, yeah, but the girl and the yeah. Copto twins. So it was a sort of a slightly yeah. more kind of, you know, people like yeah. me, just kind of a bit hippie, drippy, you know, and, you know, and all that kind of very uncool kind of quality. But then... Britpop came along and it was like, oh my God, Loaded magazine and, you know, all these yeah. blokes. And it was a bit like, oh, what, how, how did that happen, you know? Yeah, and there was like, that term, the Ladette. Yeah. What is that about? But yeah, yeah. the yes. 90s, weren't they really? Well, it was Some, kind of weird without getting too much into that world that was, you know, we've often talked about feminism, but, you know, that idea that women would take on male identities to think they're empowering themselves, but actually they're just yeah. going across, uh, becoming part of what male society expects. So they're, they're actually not sort of yeah. empowering themselves at all. They're just actually following what men are, are saying. So like Thatcher isn't really a, a feminist because she just was a very good yeah. politician who copied what the scene is by a male society so um yeah yeah totally i agree tricky and i think you you look at female leaders today when you, you know you look at the lady in new zealand and you see what being a woman you know it's, it's fine to actually be a woman and not be be masculine but it's taken us a long time i think and it's the same within within music i think you have got now more women who are powerful without adopting that ladder kind of culture yes. that don't or it's not needed. So thank, thankfully, we've gone past that awful 1990s moment, I think, when it comes to, to feminism. We've yes. moved on. Yay. <laughs> it's also tricky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. But anyway, look, this yeah. has been fantastic. Thank you ever so much for this. And um, I'll oh. show you when I put it out, and I can send you a link as well. So um, you can always use it. Yeah. But thanks a lot, and um, best of luck for the future. Thanks very much. Yeah, nice to meet you. Great. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Take, care. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. And that is the end of the interview. Um, you probably guessed that. So, massive thank you to Andrea and Paul for giving me the time for that. That was Mellis. If you want to find out any more information, they have a website which is mellis.co.uk and probably somewhere on um, social media land, there'll be other bits and pieces. This has been the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. Also, these have all been archived interviews, that is. So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam. True. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.